0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lines, your Penn State podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Wednesday, July 15th, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by whatever electrician comes to my house and restores power to half of my upstairs. It's been a rough couple of days. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here. As always, I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And in today's episode, we have some more preseason accolades being heralded to a couple of Penn State players. It is that time of the year when all the preseason watch lists continue to come out. We don't know what's going to happen with the season, but we do know that some Penn State players are on those preseason watch lists. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of those in today's episode. So sit back, relax. Make sure you're subscribed on all of your favorite podcasting apps of choice from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, make sure you hit that subscribe button, then leave a rating and then leave a review. We're trying to get to 100 podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts in the month of July. So anybody who wants to help us out with that goal, it would be greatly appreciated. We also encourage you and invite you to be a part of our podcast at any time by connecting with us on Twitter and on Facebook, Instagram and on Twitch by using the username LockedOnNitney. So again, Without any further delay, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. To some of the latest watch lists that have been released with a couple of penn state players named to them a little bit later in today's episode but of course we have to start with some of the latest developments around the world of college football and really college athletics as a whole as we continue with another day forward towards what is supposed to be the start of the college football season Don't know where your optimism level is right now. I know mine is waning a little bit. I'm still optimistic that we will see football in the fall, but uh, the last couple days since our last podcast, there have been some interesting developments that have popped up. First and foremost, we'll start at the FCS level where not long after the Ivy League decided to cancel all fall sports, including fall football for the upcoming semester, the Patriot League. Uh, who I thought was going to be the most likely conference to follow suit with the Ivy League. The Patriot League has announced that they are canceling all fall sports. And that, of course, includes the college football season for schools like Lehigh and Lafayette right here in Pennsylvania, Colgate, uh, a number of other uh, really good programs. It's the closest conference I think you can find to the Ivy League, certainly at the FCS level. And, of course, a number of those schools that are in that conference had games against FBS opponents. I know Syracuse is losing a game against Colgate. Uh, There were some previous modifications with Fordham backing out of a game against Hawaii. Hawaii, by the way, has rescheduled their game with Robert Moore. So uh, there's still an FCS school that's willing to go out to Hawaii. We'll see if that game actually takes place. But uh, the Patriot League... Deciding that they are not going to play college football this fall was just another so-called domino as we continue to move forward with some of these schedule adjustments. And we don't know when the dominoes are going to start fo- stop falling, I should say. We do know that on Monday, the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey came out and addressed the serious nature of what his conference is dealing with right now. Uh, the ACC had already decided or announced that they weren't going to be making any decisions until later in the month of July, The SEC is doing the same thing, kind of the same kind of timeline. And I sort of suspect that there's going to be some communication between the ACC and the SEC and making sure that they come together on a joint resolution, whatever that resolution may be. And the only reason I say that is because there are a handful of schools in both those conferences that have uh, traditional and very spirited rivalry games against each other, like Louisville and Kentucky, Georgia and Georgia Tech. Florida and Florida State, and I think that those games really do mean something to a lot of those, uh, you know, those those conferences, and of course a lot of those schools. So I think whenever the ACC and the SEC decide to make their announcement decision or decisions final, I would not be surprised if they do so in unison. Uh, not necessarily as a joint statement, but I think they would come out with those uh, decisions approximately at the same time. N- not necessarily right in sync with each other, but probably the same day, probably within the same 24-hour span. And that leaves us wondering, uh, I guess the only other conference that's left out there, at least among the power conferences, is the Big 12. What's the Big 12 going to do? So Here's where we stand right now. So no Ivy League football, no Patriot League football. That doesn't really necessarily impact a lot of Big Ten schools, including Penn State. But we do know that the Big Ten is going to conference-only games. We're still waiting for some more details on that. We don't know if it's going to be the existing nine-game conference schedule that was already set up for this upcoming season. Maybe with some moving some dates around to get some of those games played earlier in the year if possible. Or the idea of the 10-game conference schedule, I think, was still floating out there. Big Ten hasn't really made any formal announcements yet on what they're going to do with that schedule. So when they do, we will certainly break it down and try to figure it all out as we move forward. I, I did note uh, on Athlon Sports a couple uh, content pieces that I put together recently, taking a look at the overall uh, schedules for Iowa and, of course, Penn State. Those had to be modified because we removed all the non-conference games. So if you go back and look at the ranking of uh, the, the toughest games or the easiest games to the toughest games for Penn State and the, the Iowa post that I did, you'll see there have been some adjustments. For, as far as Penn State's concerned, toughest game still going to be the Ohio State game. A road trip to Michigan is no easy matchup for Penn State. And I still don't like that road game at Nebraska. Now, if the schedule comes out from the Big Ten and it's a completely new schedule for the most part, I may go back and uh, reassess my ranking of Penn State's uh, schedule. And maybe I'll do this for Iowa, too. But we'll see. But I do think that we're still kind of waiting to find out more about the upcoming season. I still think there's going to be some more adjustments. Uh, Certainly at the FCS level, I think we'll see some more conferences come out uh, right here in Pennsylvania. Uh, As far as Division II is concerned, I'm wondering if the PSAC is going to end up having football this year. I would start to seriously doubt that especially now that we're seeing some conferences a little bit higher up with a little bit more revenue uh, in, the, in the margins there, starting to make some of those drastic decisions. So we move forward. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. I know um, as far as the city of Philadelphia is concerned, they're shutting down all large gathering events. So Uh, That would suggest, and I don't know at the time of recording this, I don't know if it's been officially confirmed, but no fans at Eagles or Phillies games, which I I think was going to be a likelihood uh, as far as college is concerned. No fans at Temple games, which plays in Philadelphia, of course. And I would guess the Army-Navy game is probably going to be moving because the Army-Navy game is supposed to be in Philadelphia at the end of this season. Uh, If they end up do playing that game, and, and Football Scoop suggests that it could be the only game that's played this year, Uh, it's not going to be in Philadelphia. I think they would find somewhere else to play it, at least for this year. So it's a tough time right now. It really is. But we do know that as of right now, Penn State is going to be playing some football games in a couple of months. And they have some of the best players in the country, certainly in the Big Ten. And we're going to talk a little bit about them coming up in our next segment as we talk about the release of the Bednarik Award watch list. Penn State's got a pretty good history there. Will they add to it this season? NCAA Tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you missed it, Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports put together his list of the top 10 players in the Big Ten, for the upcoming 2020 season and to no real surprise Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields comes in at number one but who comes in at number two that would be Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons now we have been talking on a regular basis about how much respect Micah Parsons is getting on the national level going into the new season again of course he has demonstrated on the field just what he is capable of doing. He's racking up the tackles. He's everywhere involved in the defense, and that should once again be the case going into the new season. It's very difficult to stop Micah Parsons from being a factor in a football game. That's why Penn State is should be going all out and building this defense around what Micah Parsons can do. That's why he was such a huge recruit for James Franklin. And this goes back to... The ability of James Franklin to recruit some really good star players, especially on the defensive side of the football. And we'll get to the offense in a little bit, but defense is going to be what really helps Penn State not necessarily go out and compete with Ohio State, but give them a puncher's chance to beat Ohio State. And that's because... offense is going to be a little bit of a work in progress probably at some point but you know that the running game is going to be strong if they can find some wide receivers they're going to be in good shape but the defense is going to be very steady and the defense is certainly going to be one of the strengths that State has going forth this year and Micah parsons is going to be a big reason why so Micah parsons comes in number two on tom fornelli's list of the top 10 players in the big 10 over on cbs sports and here's what he said about Micah parsons If there's anybody in college football capable of covering teammate Pat Fryermuth, it's Micah Parsons. Fortunately for both, they're on the same team, so neither has to worry about doing so. That's exactly right. And you look for linebackers to cover tight ends, and uh, this is an area where Micah Parsons is going to thrive at. And the fact that one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten plays in the same uh, program— that's always good news. And of course, Pat Fryermuth actually came in at number three on Fornelli's list of the top 10 players. So you can see that Penn State has some really good talented players. Now, you have to go a little bit further down into the list of the top 10 players to find the next Penn State player. And in fact, the only other Penn State player on there is running back Jeremy Brown. But let's go back to Micah Parsons because it is watchlist season and Micah Parsons has found his name on yet another watch list for the upcoming season. This time it is for the Chuck McNeric Award. Sponsored by the Maxwell Football Club. This is one of the two main awards that the Maxwell Football Club puts out every year. Of course, they put out the uh, the Maxwell Award for the best overall college football player. But uh, a number of years ago, they decided to have a, an award specifically for a defensive player. And that is the Chuck Bednarik Award. In honor of the late, great Penn Quaker and longtime Philadelphia Eagle, Chuck Bednarik. Now, Penn State has a good history with the Bednarik Award. This has been uh, an award that Penn State players have taken home. On a number of occasions and in fact they did so in back to back to back years it's the only school to do that uh feat and that goes back to 2005 through 2007. paul pozlezny won the award in 2005 won it again in 2006 and then dan connor kept that tradition going by winning the award in 2007. go back to 1999 lavar arrington took home the award as well so penn state again has some good history with the Chuck McNeric Award, which was first awarded back in 1995. Two, current Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald actually won the award in its inaugural season in 1995 and then won it again in 1996 when he was playing for Northwestern. Some other guys that have won this award have included Michigan's Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers from North Carolina, uh, David Pollock from Georgia, currently now an ESPN analyst. And of course, some other players that have won it. And Dom Sue from Nebraska, then of the Big 12, of course. Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson won it back and back years for LSU. Mantateo from Notre Dame won it in 2012. And Pitts Aaron Donald took on the award in 2013. Last year's winner was another Big 10 player, it was Chase Young of Ohio State. So is Penn State going to be able to get their top linebacker back to the Bednarik Award uh, winners list? Yeah, I think he's got a pretty good chance because he's already going into the season as highly regarded as one of the top linebackers in the country, if not the best linebacker. And In fact, a lot of people are saying he is probably the best defensive player in the country. So I'm not going out on a limb at all to suggest to you that Micah Parsons has a very good opportunity to bring the Chuck Bednarik Award back home to Penn State and become the fourth all-time winner in program history of this highly prestigious defensive award. Again, the previous Penn State winners include LaVar Arrington in 1999, Paul Posluszny in 2005 and 2006, and Dan Conner in 2007. It's been a long time coming it's about time that a Penn state linebacker goes back out and wins this award. And Micah Parsons has probably been the best linebacker that Penn state has seen since those days of Paul Posluszny and Dan Conner. No disrespect to any of the linebackers that have come through this program since Dan Connor and Paul Posluszny, but Micah Parsons is head and shoulders above everybody else and playing at a very high level. And a lot of people are reminded of LaVar Arrington when they see Micah Parsons. So, The fact that LeVar Arrington is one of those Bednarik Award winners, that's a lot to live up to for Michael Parsons, but he is very capable of doing so. And if he does go out and have a gangbuster season with another 100-something and tackles, add a few sacks to the the stat line uh, as the season progresses, uh, well, I should say, real quick, it might be hard to get to 100 tackles now that there are fewer games on the schedule, but if the schedule moves forward with 9 or even 10 games, uh, there's a very good chance that Michael Parsons, regardless of what the total of tackles is at the end of the season, there's a very good chance he's going to be among the nation's leaders in tackles or certainly among the Big Ten leaders. So I think there's a very good chance that Michael Parsons is not only going to be moving on to the semifinal stage and the final stage for the Spednack Award, but if I had to hedge a bet, I think Michael Parsons is going to be the preseason favorite to win this thing, and I think he takes it home at the end of the season. But while Michael Parsons continues to have his name added to watch list after watch list, he is not the only Penn State player getting some preseason accolades by appearing on a watch list. There is another Penn State player that is appearing on a watch list, and he's looking to bring home this award for the first time since 1994. I'll tell you which player and which award, but first it's time to look at our page of the day calendar that we've been ripping through recently here on the podcast. And today's trivia question, it's a pretty easy one, I think. The question is... Up to and including the 2017 bowl season, what bowl game had Penn State made its most appearances in? I'm gonna give you the answer to that in just a minute. But first, I wanna make sure you are subscribed to our podcast on all the various podcasting apps from Apple Podcasts to Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed and then go ahead and leave a rating and a review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help with the promotion of our show across those various networks. So the more feedback we get from you guys, the better off this show will be moving forward, and we could not do it without you guys. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. So up to the 2017 bowl season, which bowl game had Penn State made its most appearances in? That would be the Fiesta Bowl. Of course, the most recent trip was a couple seasons ago when Penn State took care of business against Chris Peterson and the Washington Huskies. Saquon Barkley's final game as the Nittany Lions. So that was a memorable game. That was a, won another milestone victory for uh, head coach James Franklin. Of course, the Penn State program. This was the second major bowl game that James Franklin had taken Penn State to. The other, of course, being the Rose Bowl from a few seasons back as the Big Ten champion. But this was his first major bowl victory. And of course, it was not his last because this past season, Penn State went to the Cotton Bowl, took care of Memphis in a very high scoring, explosive, very entertaining football game. And of course, that was his second major bowl victory. And of course, Penn State fans are hoping that's not the last. We'll continue to look through that page a day calendar every now and then just to throw in some random trivia. And again, sometimes the difficulty of these questions is not very uh, high on this difficulty scale, I will admit. But it is fun to kind of just throw it out there. And maybe you'll learn something new. I don't know. But I did mention that Penn State had another player named to a pretty notable watch list for the upcoming season. And this time it's on the offensive side of the football. And it is quarterback Sean Clifford, who was named to the watch list for the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback uh, Award on Tuesday. And this is an award that is presented every year to the nation's best college quarterback. And it is one of the longest running uh, quarterback awards for sure, and it's got a pretty solid history uh, going back for it. But Penn State only has a couple of Davey O'Brien Award winners. The most recent winner of the Davey O'Brien Award from Penn State it was Kerry Collins back in 1994. Before that, it was Todd Blackledge in 1982, and of course, those two quarterbacks had some fantastic seasons for the Nittany Lions in those years that they won the respective awards. So. In just glancing over the watch list release that was put out by the Davey O'Brien Award, there seems to be a pretty clear favorite going into the new season. And he plays in the Big Ten. It's just not Sean Clifford. It's Justin Fields of Ohio State, who was actually a finalist for the award last year. And a number of other semifinalists are also all back on the watch list for this year, including Baylor's Charlie Brewer, Shane Bouchelle of SMU, Sam Ellinger of Texas, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. Have you heard of him? Minnesota's Tanner Morgan also on the list, and Brock Purdy of Ohio State, and uh, Memphis Brady White. They were all semifinals for the award last year. Again, Justin Fields was a finalist. They're all back here on the watch list, so you would think that they would be considered among the favorites for the award this year. And I think uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, those two guys right there are going to carry a lot of the momentum and a lot of the attention for the, uh, the offensive awards for the upcoming season, including the Heisman Trophy. If Clemson and Ohio State had the seasons that they're expected to have, those two guys are going to get a lot of attention. But so what's it going to take for Sean Clifford to break into that conversation? Well, first of all, It's going to take some wide receivers around him to really step things up a little bit this year, and we've talked about that I don't know how many times on this podcast, and we will continue to do so because it is one of the biggest questions facing Penn State and their ability to get to that next level. If Penn State's going to beat Ohio State, they need to have wide receivers that are going to make some plays, and not just against Ohio State, but also on the road against Michigan, on the road against Nebraska, against Iowa, uh, against, uh, well, not Virginia Tech anymore, but you get the idea. Penn State needs wide receivers. The good news for Sean Clifford is he has one of the best tight ends in the country to throw to in Pat Firemouth. And having that kind of a weapon is always a nice luxury to have. So there's no question that if there is a bind that Sean Clifford is trying to get out of, looking at Pat Firemouth is not a bad outlet. And of course, there will be a pretty strong running game to support him moving forward. But yeah, Sean Clifford, I think when you look at his season last year, first time as a full-time starter for the Nittany Lions, I thought that there were some positives, but there were also some negatives, but I don't really call them negatives. I call them more opportunities to grow, <laughs> especially for a quarterback who is just getting a chance to be the guy running the offense. I thought Sean Clifford handled it fairly well, all things considered. Yes, there were some ruts. There's no question about that, and I think part of that's coaching. Part of that is player development. Uh, you know, Player ability is probably more likely, but I do think that you saw some really good things out of Sean Clifford in his first season as starting quarterback. And I think that not having the spring practices certainly gives me some caution with any kind of progress and uh, moves forward we'll see from last year to this year. But I do think getting that starting experience last year, going through a full season as Penn State's starting quarterback, that certainly is a, a step in the right direction for any quarterback any player, really, at any position. So I think having that experience will really come in handy. What I do wonder, though, is you know what's going to happen now that there's all new coaching staff. And I know they didn't have the spring practices. Uh, you know, right now the summer is kind of uh, who knows what's going to happen. But coaches, I'm sure, have been in touch and communication with all the players as much as possible and uh, allowed to do so. So I do think that communication is not necessarily something I'm too concerned about. I do wonder you know, what, do you ha- what happens when there is times to actually do some coaching. What can they do to improve Sean Clifford's game? And what can they do to build the offense and maybe the game plan around what Sean Clifford is going to be able to thrive at? So I think that that's all a good question to have as we move forward looking at Sean Clifford and what he's going to do this upcoming season. Who is he going to throw the football to besides Pat Fryermoth? And how does the coaching uh, adapt to Sean Clifford? How does Sean Clifford adapt to the coaching? Do they get along well? Do they do they mesh well? Do they are they all in sync? It's a it's a question that we won't know the answer to probably until a couple games into the season because we need to see the first couple of games of the season to really see where Sean Clifford and the coaching staff and the rest of the offense where they are <laughs> because not having those spring practices uh, sets everything back a little bit but. As I've said before, just about every school that Penn State is going to play this year is facing the same kind of circumstances. So it's not like Penn State is the only program that has to deal with this. If there is one thing that I think should be easy for Sean Clifford to improve, even without practices, I think it'll be how he approaches the game mentally. And not, not, not to sound so negative. It probably sounds way worse when I say it out loud, then I really intend it to be. What I mean is keeping the emotions in check a little bit. I think that there were times last year when you could see that maybe he was a little too ramped up. Maybe you know, he was trying to build himself up a little bit and you know kind of live up to the moment. You know, I look at the game at Minnesota in particular because it was an ugly start at Minnesota, and this is something that you know when Penn State has gone on the road into certain environments, getting off to slow starts is something that really comes back to haunt them and I think kind of getting a little ramped up for what was a big game against Minnesota and coming out with a little bit of a dud at the beginning of the game I I think it was very important to kind of use that kind of experience as a learning experience because you can look at what you did what you what were you doing going into the game mentally preparing yourself and kind of you know feeding off of the energy you know what can you do differently And I think that that's one thing that certainly coaches, I'm sure, are taking a look at as they prepare Sean Clifford to be the starting quarterback once again. I'm not saying anything bad about Sean Clifford. I really mean this in a positive way. I think you can learn from some negative experiences. And I think that that that's perfectly acceptable. I think it's perfectly fine to point out when something goes poorly or doesn't go quite as planned and what you do to learn from that. Because if you don't learn from those mistakes, you're going to make them again. And it's going to cost you once again, potentially. And this is a season now where, you know, even though with the, the shortened season, there's still a lot to look forward to as far as Penn State's hopes for the end game of whatever the season's going to be. This is a really good Penn State team. And they're going to need Sean Clifford to be a leader that is, you know, mentally prepared and focused and ready to go. And I'm not saying he never was. I just think maybe sometimes dial back a little bit and I'll let the play speak for itself. But that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for those of you who have decided to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting app. We're trying to get to 100 podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts in the month of July. So if you're a subscriber on Apple, please go ahead and leave a rating, but leave a review because that's what we're really hoping to get more of. In this current month, we'll keep you an update uh, on some of the comments that we're getting on the reviews. I've enjoyed some of the past reviews that we've had on this, and hopefully, we can keep those going moving forward. We have lots of stuff to still keep an eye on, of course, and we'll always react to everything that's been going on with Penn State football. We'll check out the latest watch lists that continue to come out, and I'll share some insight onto anything I've got writing for Athlonsports.com. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at KevinOnCFB. Check out my college football covers on Athlonsports.com. And, of course, make sure you are following this podcast on all the social media platforms, on Instagram, on Twitch, on Facebook, and on Twitter using the username LockedOnNitney. And if you're an NFL fan, we've got you covered there, too. Tell your smart device right now to play LockedOnNFL and get all kinds of reactions to everything that's been going on around the NFL. A lot of free agent signings, a lot of contract news. So if that's up your alley, make sure you tell your smart device right now to play LockedOnNFL. Thank you once again for listening to this episode. Come back. We'll do it all again very soon. Until next time, everybody, stay safe. Go 1-0 today. And we'll come back and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you later.